Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. At Carvana, we're in the business of driving you happy. And with the widest selection of used cars under $20,000, you're bound to find a car that'll put a smile on your face. Carvana gives you control by letting you customize your down and monthly payments. You can browse tens of thousands of cars online to find one within your budget, and you won't get surprised with any bogus fees. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to shop for a vehicle. Carvana, we'll drive you happy. Availability may vary by market. Hey everyone, this is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. and welcome to this week's episode of the geek buddies stuck the landing <laughs> you did you did i got a 10 I, i'll give you a 10 on that one thanks everybody for joining us here uh once again this week to talk about all the geek stuff going on in the world of entertainment we appreciate it madly i am one of your hosts i'm the outlaw john roca joined as always by these two gentlemen uh to my right or my left depending on how you're looking at the screen <laughs> just cover all your bases there yeah just, not sure, just cover it all <laughs> Uh, I am Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies and happy that I'm in the middle because if I say the guy on my right or left, you don't know if I'm right or wrong. Oh, and this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Silicon Valley, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And now I'm curious how Michael is going to deploy this new tactic at saying the guy to my left or to my right. I like... The guy to my right. Uh, oh, 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 all right. I don't actually know which one it is. No. <laughs> I don't even know what I said. We'll find out. By the way, on a programming note, you know, if you're looking to drink more water in your life, get the Thermo Flask. It's over at Costco now, the 40-ouncer. They got them on discounts. Go get them. All right, anyway, uh, let's get out. That's what I'm trying to drink more water because I got I, I to lose this weight, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, let's get into everything that's, uh, that's been happening in the world of entertainment. For those of you who are new, thank you so much for taking the chance to watch us here in the Geek Buddies. And on the Outlaw Nation channel, if you want to listen to us, you know, a lot of you guys go back and re-listen to some of our episodes. 
Maybe you don't want to go on the YouTube app. You don't pay for YouTube Red. So it like it like goes out on your phone if you close your phone or whatever. Listen to us in a podcast format. It is available, the Geek Buddies, in podcast format. Just type in the Geek Buddies wherever you download podcasts, and that's where you'll find us. So don't forget to do that as well. And for those who are um, new an old, rather, thank you very much for keeping the tra- for buying the ticket and staying on the train for the Geek Buddies um, I am the outlaw. Did we already do that? Jesus Christ. Wow. It's one of those mornings. It's one of those mornings or afternoons. Guys, or uh, apparently, guys. That, apparently that water is not doing the trick, Johnny. We used to call this when Johnny has an episode. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm just getting old. Let's get into things here. Uh, who wants to start off? Who's got the first thing? Oh, yeah. For those of you who are new to the show, that's what I was getting at. The way the show works is each of us presents a geek news item. We take a little bit of a break and get into the main news topic. And the main news topic is breaking down that Justice League trailer, much to Mike's chagrin. We're going to be doing that at the end. But first, let's get into something that Michael might be happy about. Michael, take us away. All right. Well, uh, hot off the presses as we recorded this, Disney dropped their trailer this Wednesday morning for the brand new live action prequel story of Cruella DeVille starring Emma Stone as uh, as the famous and horrible puppy killing villainess of Disney lore. Uh, so the trailer is crazy. Uh, the internet is already having a field day with it. Here is what the plot of this movie is. Mm-hmm. Cruella, which is set in 1970s London amidst the punk rock revolution, follows a grifter named Estella, a clever and creative girl determined to make her name for herself with her designs. She befriends a pair of thieves who appreciate her appetite for mischief, and they are able to build a life for themselves on the London streets. One day, Estella's flair for fashion catches the eye of Baroness Von Hellman, played by Emma Thompson, a fashion legend uh, and their relationship sets in motion a course of events and revelations that will cause Estella to embrace her wicked side and become the fashionable and revenge-bent Cruella DeVille. So a lot of people are already going that this is straight up Disney, this is some Joker vibes, this is some crazy shit, this is not the Maleficent, let's kind of do the we get why you're a bad guy and we sympathize with you. This is straight up you are bad, there is no redeeming you, and you are crazy as shit. Uh, And that's the vibe of the trailer. So some people are enjoying it, some people are not. I asked the two gentlemen on my right and left uh, what you think. Take it away, Johnny. Oh, okay, here's what I'll say to you. Uh, I think this is brilliant marketing by Disney. Is she, I remember uh, someone I read, I I copied down this this post that someone said because it cracked me the F up. Uh, trailer, Cruella's a psychopath and a mastermind. My childhood, she was fooled by Dalmatians covered in coal dust. So this is an interesting situation that they've walked, <laughs> this line that they've decided to walk here because the trailer is brilliant marketing because you're right, Mike, definitely the vibe is Joker. The vibe is even the Harley Quinn movie some other people really wanted rather than the one they got here. So this looks fantastic. The, the, the cinematography looks great. The lighting looks fantastic. The way it's shot looks fun. Her accent, her English accent grates on me. I don't find it believable. This feels like something you'd see in a college production. It doesn't flow as easily as, say, say Renee Zellweger's British accent. or uh, see, We've seen other people do British accents that are American that really flow well with it. So that took me a, that took me a little bit. But that being said, I like that they're approaching it this way because they're hoping you don't remember how much she was fooled throughout the animated film. And I never saw the live action films with Glenn Close. If she was fooled throughout those films as well, this is an interesting reimagining 
of this character because she looks like a badass and an awesome badass woman commanding her space and demanding attention. And I loved it, but I don't know if I can connect it with what we've seen from Cruella in other interpretations of her, both animated and live action. Jen? Well, you know, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the live action Disney adaptation. Now, mm-hmm. I, now I realize that this is not an adaptation of 101 Dalmatians. Like, they did that already with Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. I actually thought that movie, as a family, that was a delightful movie. I thought Glenn Close was hilarious. Not so much in 102 Dalmatians, you know. <laughs> G- Gerard, G- Gerard Depardieu did not really add the, add the level of uh, uh, spice that, that they thought they were maybe going to get for that sequel. Mm-hmm. So when they announced this as like a prequel, it's sort of like, ah, I don't know, why? But then you see who's directing it. It's Craig Gillespie, the same yeah, guy that did I, Tanya. And I, right. Tanya was one of the best movies of the year when it came out. Yeah. Looking at the trailer, I'm kind of like, God, this doesn't really look like a family movie to me the the marketing does kind of have that sort of punk rock vibe i'm curious emma stone i i emma stone is an electric performer Mm -hmm. and and her english accent does not grate on me i I thought she was fantastic and the favorite uh i'm curious this is the movie that i didn't know that i wanted and i'm still on the fence if i do want but hey (laughs) <laughs> if theaters are open in May, I'm excited to get back. Let's oh, go yeah. see Cruella. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, to push back on Johnny a little, like, yes, you are not wrong. Cruella DeVille in the Disney movie was fooled by Dalmatians, but they were Disney Dalmatians. They're plenty clever. Uh, but I do think, I do think that um, the, okay. the, fact that, the fact that she was fooled by uh, a canine crew aside, yeah. uh, Cruella DeVille in the sort of pantheon of Disney villains is way, way up there because despite some uh, specificity in the plot of the movie, like from a design standpoint, from the way that she is presented, from the acting, from the fact that she is completely irredeemable, like mm-hmm. she is one of the top baddies. I mean, and when you're talking about like the evil queen, Maleficent, Ursula, Captain Hook, the fact that you just have a skinny ass lady with a cigarello and a fur coat and she has reached that level of villainy mm-hmm. kind of speaks a lot sort of the legacy that Cruella DeVille has in the world of animation. So the, I, first of all, that tweet is fucking hilarious, yeah. but I do think, but I do think that, um, I do think that Disney is smart to go this way. Like Cruella is so evil. And like I was saying about Maleficent, like, you know, Maleficent kind of followed in that wicked, the footsteps of wicked, which is like, let's take a villain and let's show the other side of the story. And for me, that's one of the reasons why Maleficent, I think Angelina Jolie is perfect casting, but those movies never really did it for me. Cause I don't want Maleficent to be sympathetic. Right, I want right. Maleficent to just be evil. And so watching this trailer, it's like, if they were gonna try and sell me on, hey, I know she wanted to kill a bunch of puppies to make a coat, but this is why she is this way and now you're gonna love her, I'd be like, I am not on board for this. But if you're gonna show yeah. me, she's crazy, she's horrible, and maybe Emma Thompson's character is more horrible, so we enjoy watching the less horrible person defeat the more horrible person, but we are straight up telling you she is mm. bad to the bone. That's way more my speed, and this trailer looks like that's the vibe it's going for. Much like I, Tanya, actually, to Shannon's point, where mm. you you sort of had a character that you... I wouldn't say you 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 redeemed her. You kind of showed why she was the way she was but she still was she did what she did so i think that this yeah. kind of follows in that vein yeah and i think that's what's and i think you bring an excellent point up uh shannon craig gillespie being involved in this as you said the the way she reimagined i ta- i mean tanya harding's story i mean basically 
put Tanya Harding back into the pop culture mainstream for a little while uh, and allowed that to come about. And what Margot Robbie was able to deliver under his direction was pretty stellar. So you imagine, and like I said, accent aside, and, and that's a personal thing, but her performance in this trailer, for what the clips they used, this is going to be a damn lot of fun. And I like to see this, and I agree with you, Michael. Embrace the evilness, embrace the badness, let us go in. You know, we love movies that kind of let us escape for a little while. What's wrong? We've had Hannibal that was all about Hannibal being evil the entire movie. So what's wrong with having now women embrace these characters that they've that have been before and embrace the evilness and enjoy that and relish in that throughout it? You know, sometimes we can be in a predominant male-dominated entertainment sphere, this fear of having women embrace evilness or embrace badness. And the truth is, let it. Let the freak flag fly and have some fun. It should work for both genders. And this certainly does that. And I'm... I, I, I'm in whatever the connections or, or disconnections are about the overall mythology. I'm in based on this trailer. It was only in a minute and a half and it was over quicker than I wanted it to be. So that speaks volumes about how good the trailer construction was. And I hope this is the vibe of the film. I don't know. I don't hope. I hope I don't go in there and it's fucking home alone. I want it to be what they're presenting it to be. So uh, give me that evil shit. I'm, a, I'm all here for it. I mean, it'll Jimmy. be interesting if they embrace it, right? Because yeah. Disney is, you know, this right. is very much a family company and they're very protective of their brands. So, I mean, I think a lot, the assumption with Maleficent is like, oh, right, we're going to find out about, you know, this awful, you know, sorceress queen, how she became, yeah. how she became that way. And it's like, oh, you kind of got, you know, one, to me, not really a great movie, but also very uh, uh, sanitized sanitized yes. movie. Yes. If, if they embrace this, which again, I still think it's 50-50. I mean, 90 yeah. seconds. I mean, the, the movie looks beautiful. Like it looks yeah. incredibly well shot. Um, if they if they embrace that evil, this could be something cool, but we'll yeah. see. Mm-hmm. Michael, any final yeah. words? Uh, well, no, I think, I think that Shannon is right that they do, uh, that they are protective of their brand, but I think yeah. that as much as we think of Disney as the family-friendly brand, because they are, uh, the Disney villain uh, side of Disney is very strong from a consumer product standpoint, mm-hmm. from a popularity standpoint, from in the yeah. parks. Uh, and I think that as long as they can have the fun with it, I think it still fits within that Disney family uh, bubble to mm-hmm. let your villains be villainous. I don't think she's going to go full Joker. I don't think she's going to shoot anybody right. in the face by the end of the movie. But I think that they can. Uh, I think that they can let her have a little bit of fun with it. <laughs> Like, I don't think that they were like, you know what America wants? They want to see a live-action Cruella shoot an actual puppy. That's how this movie ends. Like, that's not what's going to happen. But we want to see her making the coat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Share it! Share it in front of me! Ah! Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. But, you know, Emma Stone, um, uh, Oscar-winning actress. So, God love her. Go get it uh, and have some fun with this. I lo- She's such an incredible performer so it's going to be fun already from the trailer it seems like she's sinking her teeth all the way into this role so it'll be great to see her do that uh and when's this coming out mikey when does it say it's coming out soon right uh yeah it's next month or is it may Uh, it's may may May. sorry i knew it was an m uh may 28th i was like march 28th that's not right may 28th and uh yeah tbd as far as what it's going to do as far as release i guess it depends a lot on where we are as a country like it's coming out theatrically and no word yet if we're gonna have like a disney plus premium situation or what's going on but uh tbd on that 
yeah, we'll see maybe how Ryan the Last Dragon comes out as well as kind of a barometer for what we're going to be getting with uh, with Cruella. Uh, all right, uh, let's move on to the next. Am I, do I have the next thing or does Shannon you have do. the next nope, thing? I you. do. All right. Well, let's get into a little bit of a, a uh, how can I say this? A theoretical or conceptual conversation about movies. Uh, 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 Martin Scorsese recently, uh, he's written an article here coming out in the March issue of Harper's Magazine where he's play, praising uh, uh, film legend Federico Fellini's director. For those of you who may not know, Federico Fellini considered one of cinema's greatest master uh, uh, peacemakers, uh, their masterpiece makers in terms of films. Uh, and some of the quotes that were taken out of this essay, I wanted to run by my two esteemed colleagues who are also film lovers, uh, film consumers, and who enjoy conversations about the uh, uh, medium of film. Uh, Scorsese was talking about content, and he was talking about what's happening with curating films, what's happening with the fact that people are comparing uh, all content equally, and why that's an issue if you're trying to become a cinephile or you're trying to find great movies and his fear that these movies are being lost possibly as they're being termed content. <coughs> Let me read one of the quotes here. As recently as 15 years ago, the term content was heard only when people were discussing the cinema on a serious level and it was contrasted with and measured against form. Then gradually it was used more and more by the people who took over media companies, most of whom knew nothing about the history of the art form or even cared enough that they should. Uh, and he says in the digital era, if further viewing is, quote, suggested by algorithms based on what you've already seen and the suggestions are based only on subject matter or genre, then what does that do to the art of cinema? So, Mike, let's stop here. What's your feelings overall? What he just what the quotes I've just laid out from Martin Scorsese. Uh, I, I understand what Martin Scorsese is saying. I think I can't fully divorce myself from combining this with what he had said previously a year yeah. or so ago about superhero movies. I right. think that I think that what is popular right now, what the type of entertainment that we enjoy, the type of entertainment that we talk about virtually every week here on Geek Buddies, mm -hmm. is really not Martin Scorsese's cup of tea. So he he's not wrong that with streaming services coming out and flooding us with content and putting things out there and the way that algorithms work and the way that big conglomerates and big studios and companies look at entertainment as a commodity to make profit on, mm -hmm. he's not wrong that it's changed drastically from when he was starting out and from what the movie industry used to be. So he's right. correct, but I just feel like there's also this judgment on what is popular now mm -hmm. and what people are gravitating towards that is not his jam. Yeah. Uh, and I think that I, I think that there's just, to me, and he doesn't say anything specifically. I went and read the entire right. Fellini essay that he wrote. He's not knocking anything specific. He's not coming after any specific type of genre. But to me, there just seems to be this underlying frustration that uh, as we look at the most at, at our most popular filmmakers today who are working in a Star Wars universe mm -hmm. or a Marvel universe or uh, or any of those things, that, uh, that I think that he is... Um, not looking at what they are doing as filmmaking as much as a Fellini. And I think that that is something that I sort of take issue with a little bit. Yeah. And Shannon, to continue his quote and get your thoughts on that as well, he says, content became a business term for all moving images, a David Lean movie, a cat video, a Super Bowl commercial, a superhero sequel, a series episode. It was linked, of course, not to the theatrical experience, but to home viewing on the streaming platforms that have come to overtake the movie going experience, just as Amazon overtook physical stores. And Shannon, he's saying this with, 
Netflix having dropped the Irishman and it being nominated for Best Picture, and he's working on Killers of the Flower Moon for Apple TV Plus. So what <laughs> what is this thing that he's doing here with these comments? I, you know, I mean, I think it's kind of as Mike said, and I imagine you will agree with Johnny, mm. is that it, it's this this is a this is a filmmaker from a, a different time. This is yeah. and this is a filmmaker. His his people of that era there we're starting to see less and less and le- less and less of them and the thing with like with whole like devaluing film like i i just don't agree with that because value in terms of uh, of art is, is really in the eye of the beholder right i mean i am i might love that disney at some point would release the original trilogy yeah and even though i don't buy as as much physical media as i used to I'm definitely going to buy that. Now, to to someone else, to to someone who's maybe a little younger than I am, they're not going to care that mm-hmm. that they have the opportunity to to buy the unaltered original release uh, of of uh, Star Wars: Empire and Jedi. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, and again, I, I I Mike would be able to speak better to this than I could, but I mean, content to me that's more of a that's a business term. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's not the term that creatives typically use the, uh, 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 when they're talking about their projects to other creators. Right. Um, in my in my opinion, um, I feel like that's a term that creators will use with business folks so they can get their projects off the ground. Right. Because content, that's a big umbrella that covers film, that covers television, that covers video games. So I, I, I again, I, I understand maybe his umbrage with that term, mm-hmm. but I also don't think it's as detrimental to the art moving forward. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just well, a di- different era, right? I couldn't help. I mean, obviously, because we talk about it a lot, if you listen to our reviews each week, uh, I couldn't help but think about WandaVision as yep. I was reading this article, because WandaVision is not a movie. It is a TV series on Disney+. Yep. Plus. It is, it is, it is in the content bubble. It is part of the Marvel content that we as fans absorb. And he was speaking about Fellini and his, and if you read the longer essay, yeah. and he was talking about how detailed Fellini was and how Fellini did these amazing shots and how Fellini, everything in the shot was so important. Yeah. And that and that it wasn't about special effects or digital this or what you could do. It was what he was able to do as a director. And all that is 100% true about Fellini. Like no knock on anything that he's saying about the artistry sure. of the filmmakers that came before us. But I couldn't help but think about WandaVision, which is a TV series on Disney Plus about a witch and a robot who are living through sitcoms and definitely does not fall under the thing that Martin Scorsese is probably interested in. But I think about the way that we as fans are pouring over every detail, every shot, every choice that the production team made as far as what is set up in the room and Shannon saying that there's a picture of an atom next to the lady in the show. Like like the way that we are absorbing WandaVision and the care and the specificity with which the creative team is creating it, like that is an art form. Like that is part of the art of storytelling and we use the term content on the business side to Shannon's point because the stories that we're telling, be it Harry Potter, Star Wars, Marvel, are expanding out of a singular movie. And they are in groups of movies. They are in connected movies. They are in movies that are now connecting with TV. We also read books, like the High Republic series that Star Wars is releasing, or Marvel Comics. And so the idea of content is not to lessen the importance of film and the artistry of film, it's to say that our stories and the way that we as fans 
of cinema and storytelling are now sort of taking everything in yeah. expands beyond a singular movie. And it doesn't mean that we don't think that Taika Waititi or Penny Marshall or Zack Snyder, uh, mm. for those that are in love with him, like none of us are saying that, that what they do is less than. Like they're all kicking ass in their mm. own specific ways, telling the stories and making the stories look the way they want to. It's just that we are currently in a place where the characters and stories that we like go beyond that. And that's just not Scorsese's well, jam. Yeah, right. And, and that's fair, Mike. And, you know, I'll be, I, I guarantee you there will be somebody, a studio who goes to Scorsese to direct a superhero film. I will put it on the table that somebody will look. I mean, I mean, Joker is essentially taxi driver, Scorsese's taxi driver. That is essentially trying to be an homage to it. And that's where I think Martin kind of loses it. Well, Martin Scorsese, I'm sorry for anyone who hates what he uses. Your good buddy? Anywhere, your good, yeah, your good buddy, buddy, Marty? Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if someone looks at the situation and he goes, but these are the children of these filmmakers. The filmmakers making movies now are the children of Scorsese and Coppola and Fellini and all of them. They're all influenced because when they were coming up, that's what was taught in film school. Now, certainly those films are taught, but there's other films taught nowadays as well so that you can become, you know, somewhat uh, uh, financially viable in the world, in the market of film. Certainly, but like what we're what you mentioned, WandaVision, Mike, is a great point. The fact that Shannon is picking out an album and Adam sitting there, that's the same thing as saying nothing in the frame is there without a purpose, which is how they used to address classic films. Watch all the classic films. Nothing is in the frame without reason. And so you can apply that in some way to stuff like WandaVision and other TV shows or films that understand the power of the medium and how visually watching a film just once isn't enough to really get everything if you're creating or directing a layered complex movie yes are is chloe zhao also a, a children of scorsese you know yes absolutely but i think scorsese does himself a disservice by drawing the line between that kind of populist mainstream fare and this idea of curating like he talks about in the article as well what tcm is doing all this kind of jazz I get it. He's 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 an old man, yes, but I don't want to dismiss him as that. He's an old artist. He's a he's a master filmmaker who's saying, "I don't want these beautiful films to be lost to the sands of time." But when those films were being made, we didn't have video games and all these TV series and channels and there's and, and TikTok and all that. That's all naturally going to change the landscape. And so I think rather than you know uh, raging into the dying of the light. More is about he should be stepping out to celebrate the ones that are still standing out, to celebrate bringing these films to the forefront. And also, one last thing, part of being a cinephile is doing the work to become a cinephile. It has never been a popular thing to be a cinephile. We are not the mainstream. We've never been. We are the original nerds. Before there was D&D &D and video games and all that bullshit, there was film lovers. And they created societies to sit around and nerd the fuck out of a film back in the 20s and 30s. Books may be the original nerddom, I guess, then films. But that's the situation here. And so for me, it's frustrating that he's like saying, well, these films are going to get lost. People's appreciation. No, it's up to the consumer to go and find the films that they want to learn. I had to read magazines and newspaper articles and go to the library and get on microfish, you young whippersnappers, and find films that I wanted to watch to educate myself to become a cinephile. And he's crafty here, Michael and Shannon, because he doesn't go after the he doesn't go after the the viewers. He goes after the companies, the nameless, yeah. faceless companies. He doesn't go after the viewers who who he still needs to buy tickets to his movies. So. Eh. 
I'm just, I'm just still, I'm just still stuck on on my image of ten year old Roka in the library searching through microfiche to look at like classic film. That's gonna, it's gonna stick Articles with me for about. a while today. Yeah. Be, uh... <laughs> Imagine a bowl haircut and a, a, a and terrible pants. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> well, and also the thing with the algorithms, like, I, like I understand that, like the, the you know this this giant computer program is basically telling you you like this, that means you're gonna like this. Maybe we right, suggest right. this. That doesn't negate the other way that we come to a film. Um, yeah. You know, how many times has Netflix suggested something to you that you have seen? Like, no, that movie is terrible. Why yeah. would this show up? And it's because it fits into this Venn diagram. But the, if, if I'm really curious if a film or a television series is good, I'm going to talk with someone, someone whose opinion I trust. Mm-hmm. And that could be a critic. That could be one of my friends. I mean, Warrior on HBO Max has become right. just such enjoyable viewing. And that was because of Ogle. Um, like, like I, I wouldn't necessarily have given that show a second look because I just didn't know it existed. All I just saw was a, was a, was a guy in a, in a, in a fighting stance and warrior. And I'm like, I, I don't know what this is. Vogel right. was the one who told me this show's great. This is tailor made for somebody like you. Yeah. yeah. And I do think, I do think where Scorsese ends it at least is a, is a good thing. He's like, look, his, his whole point is we need to be the ones that are telling people to check out these films. I mean, like, Too, too Long Don't Read is, yeah, Too Long Don't Read is, I got some issues with the word content. Fellini was a great director. Here's why he was a great, direct, great director. We can't lose these films. You should watch them. And I think that as long as we have things like uh, The Cinephiles, which Johnny hosts with Steve Morris, where you're, kind of, you're going through films of, that, that maybe people aren't as familiar with, and that we do sort of know our history of film, that we know that when Jon Favreau uh, does something in Mandalorian, he's referencing spaghetti westerns, or yeah. that this movie is more of a reference to Citizen Kane, or this is on the waterfront. And so I think that, it, and to John's point, not everyone who loves a modern movie is going to do that work, but the right. people who are interested uh, can find all that. It's all there. Like, that's the great thing about the world we live in today is you know, those streaming services that he's not a big fan of do have all those old movies. And it is easy to go in. Like when I got Peacock, the fact that they had all the old Universal Monster movies, which were not easily yeah. available, is awesome. So I think yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's a good lesson that we need to remember where we came from if you're a lover of movies and these things. But also, let's enjoy what we got today. It's pretty awesome. Absolutely. And always, always understand that it's up to you to do the work to get yourself educated about films, for sure. Uh, all right, what's our last uh, uh, thing here, uh, Shannon? Well, I can tell you, it's not trailers, trailers, trailers. This week, <laughs> we actually got some actual news that dropped last week on Deadline. We found out that Captain Marvel 2 had found its villain in English actress Zowie Ashton. So yeah. if you've seen Velvet Underground on Netflix, she's in that. She's also in, oh, what was that? BBC show she was in, uh, Food, ah, gosh, the name just dropped out of my head. Mm. Anyways, (laughs) Zoe Ashton is playing the villain for Captain Marvel 2. Now, what's really interesting is, obviously, they're not going to say who she's playing yet. The movie doesn't come out until 2022. And how WandaVision may pan out could determine, or at least lets us know, where the story for Captain Marvel 2 is going to go with the villain. So a couple of the characters, or a few of the characters that people have started speculating is one is uh, Queen Veronque. So she mm-hmm. is the Scroll Queen. She was kind of behind Secret Invasion in the comics. She was, I think she was Spider-Woman for a long time in the comics. So that's one character. We also have Moonstone. Now, Moonstone's an interesting character because yeah. the, uh, the uh, gravity stone that she uses for her powers... That is actually a Cree gravity stone, which we still have a connection 
with uh, with the scrolls. Then uh, there's also Rogue. That's a possibility. Rogue yeah. was uh, the care was uh, actually got her powers, got her power up at least from Captain Marvel. And there's also Abigail Brand. So in the in the comics, Abigail Brand is a mutant, but she's also the head of Sword, which is uh, very closely tied with WandaVision right now. So the the possibilities are endless. But gentlemen, what do you think? Yeah, Mike. Uh, you know I. I had no idea, but I think my preference, if I was going to like lean towards what gets me the most excited, would probably be more in the scroll territory. Okay. Uh, you know, Marvel does a pretty good job with their movies that even as our characters sort of twist and turn and show up in each other's movies, the movies themselves kind of like follow a pattern. So like, you know, the Captain America movies, as much as they sort of ballooned out and Civil War was like Avengers two and a half, like it was, the Bucky arc is very strong in those movies. Like those three movies together you can watch and you're like, this is what these are about. And Captain Marvel is where we learned all about, uh, well, the Kree had been mentioned in Guardians of the Galaxy, but where we really got into scrolls for the first time in the Marvel Universe. And, you know, we thought they were the bad guys. They went a different way with them and turned scrolls into more of the refugees, which I thought was really interesting. But so kind of keeping with that arc and knowing that Secret Invasion is coming on Disney Plus uh, in the not too distant future, it seems like using this as area to expand what we know about the scrolls uh, yeah. is probably where I get the most interested. Um, I, I think that could be really exciting and interesting. And I do think that also what, wherever, as you were saying, you know, it's very clear that Monica Rambeau and her relationship to Carol Danvers is very important to WandaVision and is something that's going to carry over as Monica potentially gets powers. And we know that she's going to be in Captain Marvel too. We also know that Miss Marvel is going to be in Captain Marvel too, fresh off the premiere of her Disney plus TV series. So it's already a really packed movie. Um, and I think that using it to sort of expand these three women in the Marvel universe and set the stage for secret invasion would be, where I would hope that it would go. Yep, that makes sense to me as well. As much as I would love to see her as Rogue, because, I mean, I'm one of those people that didn't enjoy the Anna Paquin interpretation of Rogue, so not thinking it's Anna Paquin, who's a really damn good actress. I just would like to have seen the Rogue I saw from the comic books. And if they're going to introduce the possibility of Pietro coming back and whatever that is in WandaVision, if they're going to allude to these kinds of possibly chemical changes in your body, if you go through an energy field, and introduce the possibility of at least an evolution, not necessarily maybe a mutation, but an evolution, then in my opinion, uh, I would love to see them go with Rogue and have a little fun with that, especially because she would be a black actress taking on what is normally a white role. That could be fun to explore as well. And just to correct Shannon a little bit, Velvet Buzzsaw and Fresh Meat. Oh, excuse me, Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah, which was not a good movie. But anyway, I I, I would love that. But the scroll thing makes sense, Mike. As you said, the Secret Invasion is coming. They're going to lay the groundwork. I've seen already people speculating that that is happening in WandaVision as well. They're laying little uh, groundwork that maybe uh, uh, Hayward is one of those as well. And all these things that they're exploring that's possible. Abigail Brand, though, does make sense still within that idea, right? Because she'd be the mutant head of S.W.O.R.D. But I think they're setting up uh, Wanda against um, uh, Photon or Spectrum, whatever Monica Rambeau becomes. And then so that maybe that if they set that fight up aside later, then maybe it is Captain Marvel 2 versus a Abigail Brand in some way because S.W.O.R.D. turns out to be something nefarious yeah. rather than something positive. I don't know. I, I, I would actually really love to see Abigail Brand in the Captain Marvel sequel. Mm. I don't know that she would be 
the villain. She might not be. She might not be on on Carol's side per se. Right. Um, but I would love to see Abigail Brand uh, kind of step into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, either pre mutant, post mutant, however they're going to handle mutants. Yeah. I think she's a really interesting character, uh, and her and Carol definitely have a uh, a. Uh, Dicey, really a complicated relationship <laughs> in the comics, and it's so I think I think she'd be really great. But I would love to see someone kind of step up and be someone. What I love about um, Carol in the comics, and I hope that they kind of continue this with Brie Larson in the in the movies, is that Carol is like she's badass, she's awesome, she's yeah. super strong, she's super brave, she's also super stubborn, and always yeah. thinks that she's right. Uh, she and Tony Stark have that in common a lot of the times, which is why they don't always mm. get along great in the comics. And so butting her up against a strong character like an Abigail Brand, particularly if there is sort of this scroll thing going on and nobody knows what to do with it, could be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. and and that's just those are just the characters that people are initially talking about there's yeah, others yeah. out there there's there's i think her i think her name is Deathbird, who's from the, Deathbird, the shyar yeah. the shyar Ooh. alien empire there but I, think is. I, I consider she is, that she is sassy she yeah, is she, sassy yeah she killed her own mother and uh sister i think so she's certainly no one to play with but i think shannon introducing a third alien species i think they're not in the mood to, to do that just yet i think they're going to finish out the scroll and the creep purse and then maybe move on to the shiar but i don't know you know i don't know but if you I, sorry they're going to cut you off yeah, good. Shan, oh, Shan. Oh no, I was gonna say that, and then also Yonrog. Yonrog oh, has yeah. a daughter out there. Yonrog. So right. maybe right. she. I mean, and this is this this movie's gonna be what 25, 30 years after the first Captain Marvel. Yeah, she would be if if she existed in Captain Marvel one, she would be an adult by now, and maybe she would yeah. have an axe to grind or yeah. a buzz saw to grind. I can't believe really another guy's the rock band. <laughs> but, what are you gonna say, Mike? Oh yeah, characters are plenty. Yeah. Uh, no, I was going to say, um, I think Marvel, as opposed to some other comic book franchises, which we may or may talk not talk about in a few minutes, hey, uh, Marvel does Marvel does a really good job of like kind of taking their time with stuff, and they took so much time to get to. I mean, the Kree and the Scroll yeah. are such big parts of like the cosmic part of the Marvel universe, and they really. You know, like like they Kree got a little bit of play in Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. The scrolls didn't come in until Captain Marvel, which is near the end of this whole like first ten you know decade of Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I the Shi'ar also play a pretty big part in the Dark Phoenix saga if you right. do it the right. correct way. Uh, so I could definitely see them saying, "Look, we've got a lot to play with with the Kree and the Scroll and the war that's going on." Uh, a lot of that has gotten played in the past year in Marvel with the giant Empire crossover in the comics. And uh, I can see them kind of taking their time with that, which is why I think Deathbird is less likely and saying, look, we are going to wait on the Dark Phoenix saga. We're doing, it's going to be a while before we get to mutants. And once we get to mutants, we're going to take our time to get to Dark Phoenix because I think Kevin Feige on his deathbed is going to be like, I did it right. <laughs> there was these other versions, but this is the version of Dark Phoenix. So I feel like we'll get our play with the Kree and the Skrull, and then once we sort of like, that dust is settled, the Shi'ar are gonna show up and we're gonna be like, oh, this is, this is just leveled up. That's my guess. Yeah, that's also what Feige's, that's also what Feige's gonna say when he's sitting outside of Simon Kinberg's grave. Oh, I'm doing it right. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. Well, Captain well, Marvel 2, directed yep. by Nia DaCosta, comes out in November of 2022. So we got some time. We do have some time. Can't wait to see it, for sure. And great casting. So we'll look forward to it. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll get into our main ep- our main uh, topic today, which is breaking down that Justice League ah! trailer episode, uh, trailer that was dropped. So uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back right after this. 
Better, the better version of Justice League. Wow. Shots already. Shots already. Wow. Any, like two seconds into it, shots already. Anyway. All right. Let's jump into this thing. Madness ensued uh, the, on the internet the other day because they dro- on Sunday they dropped on Valentine's Day. It's Zack Snyder trolling again. I love it. Dropped uh, the trailer in a four by six. What would you say that format is? Uh, four by nine? Four by nine? Four, whatever it is. Uh, four by six, whatever it is. Dropped the trailer there uh, for justice league and we got a surprise cameo appearance uh by jared leto as the joker a lot of people going off on the we live in a society meme a lot of people thinking they're hipper than they really are using that commenting on it uh and then people getting into and it's a pretty divided uh response overall some people really were like well if you like Zack snyder this is your bag and other people like oh this is kind of awesome we're getting his full version of it. Didn't see the Russian family in this one, but certainly we saw Superman scream, which is what I think awakens the mother boxes and all that happens. We got dark side uh, in this thing. So, so much was uh, uh, portrayed. Um, I will go to Michael first because Michael is the one who, who has the, uh, the negative feeling about all this. So please, what was your feeling in any way, shape or form? <laughs> did the trailer change your mind? Well, I'll I'll tell you a story first. Uh, okay. Last week, last week when we covered uh, the Joker image that had been released uh, yeah. on our on last week's show, uh, in the YouTube comments, one of our one of our buddies, uh, not your average bear, uh, said he would not listen to our review because he didn't like my negativity, and we had a lovely <laughs> chat about it. Oh. Uh, and so here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. Uh, I do not like Zack Snyder. It's been pretty much well documented. Yes. Um, and we are definitely going to review this movie when it comes out. Oh, yeah. Out. And we might even um, do a watch-along. That we've been we might that even do a watch-along. Yep. I have a couple things. I'm going to re-watch Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman before we watch this because I want to make sure that I am as up to speed on everything. And uh-huh. like I said, like I said to Not Your Average Bear in the comments last week, uh, I'm not going to promise you that I'm going to like this. I, I'm not going to promise you I'm not going to be sassy about my opinions about Zack Snyder, but I'm going to judge this movie on its own merits. Okay. I'm not going to, uh, like, if the story works in this movie, that is what it'll be. And because this is sort of its own thing, uh, and it's not, at least as far as we know, leading into offshoots of other movies and whatever, it's going to be easier to judge as its own thing. So that being said, uh, this trailer, to me, was exactly what I was expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zack Snyder is maybe one of the best trailer cutters and trailer makers in film. Like his his strength as a director is that he makes beautiful shots. Yes, uh, he knows how to make things look gorgeous. He obsesses over the lighting, the dust in the air, the everything. And so this trailer has all of that. Um, and I do think it's going to be interesting, you know, obviously because this movie is four hours and because he knows as well as we do that he doesn't get to do Justice League 2, Man of Steel 2 or whatever, this is sort of him shooting his shot with everything. So we're getting all of it. We're getting Apocalypse. We're getting Dark Side. We're getting Granny Goodness. We're getting all the yeah. things. Um, so all that being said, like, the trailer was fine to me. I mean, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing to go into a movie that's four hours knowing that you basically know the gist of the plot because Justice League is still Justice League. It's like Superman died. Darkseid is coming. They need to put together a team. We need a second age of heroes. 
and there's going to be a big battle at the end. So I think what's going to be interesting to see about this movie is to see where it differs and then spend hours speculating on why Joss did what he did and why Zach didn't get mm-hmm. to do like, like, like the, you know, I think the big things coming out of this trailer are obviously Dark Side is going to play a much bigger role. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're going to see a lot more about Barry Allen's life. We're going to see Iris West, who is not in the, uh, in the Joss version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe more time with Barry's dad. Um, and Cyborg, for all that we've yeah. talked about Ray Fisher recently, is going to play a much bigger role. A lot of people felt like like Cyborg didn't get a lot of play in the other Justice League, mm. and Zack Snyder describes Cyborg as the heart of the team. So I think seeing where the differences are is going to be interesting, whether you like Zack Snyder or not. Uh, the Joker thing was fine. We can talk about that a little bit more later on. I did yeah. think the fact that they put uh, We Live in a Society in there was a little bit of a... All right. Well, now you're just now you're just poking the internet. <laughs> what are you, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But uh, but you know, the Joker, the Joker's an instigator. So there you go. So yeah. that is my things that I was interested in in the trailer, without getting too judgmental about my feelings about Zack Snyder discussion. Listen here, uh, uh, smarter than average bear. Don't you blunt my brother's point of view. By the way, be negative if he wants to be negative. I want you to not. negative. You feel negative. He did not blunt my view. Okay. By the end of it, by the end of it, he told me to be as sassy as I want and give it Go to ahead. Kalinowski because it's <laughs> enjoyable to watch. And uh, and look, I'm not going. I'm not going to change uh, my opinion. Like, but yeah. I feel like I've talked so much about what I don't like about Zack Snyder, and that's yeah. all coming into it too. I think that. I think that when you watch the trailer, and I'm curious to see what you guys think. Mm. All the things, and I think I said this before about Zack Snyder last week. The idea of Superman's death is the thing that brings apocalypse down on Earth. Mm. The idea that there's this nightmare of an alternate reality where Superman is being controlled by Darkseid. The idea of an age of heroes where the Amazons and the Atlanteans worked together. Like, all the ideas in these movies I'm on board for, I think, are really interesting. I don't think that Zack Snyder always sticks to the landing on the execution. Now, he's got four hours to do it this time, right, so... Right. Maybe that's what he needed, but uh, but yeah, like I don't I, I don't think he usually sticks the landings on his big ideas, and a lot of plot kind of sacrifice is sacrificed for a pretty image, uh, and so I I'm imagining that that's what's going to happen as I take what I've seen in the trailer and translate it to four hours of uh, screen time. But I'm going to see how yeah. I feel about it as we watch it together. Yes, Shannon, thoughts on the trailer? Well, as a trailer, uh, I mean, I can't disagree with Mike. I mean, it looks like a Zack Snyder movie. Yep. And and I, I don't have quite the contentious relationship with Zack Snyder that Vogel does. Um, I, I, think when Zach, I think Zack Snyder's abilities as a director are fully dependent on the script he gets. Mm. And so a movie like 300, which uh, is a very, very simple story told straight down the line, uh, uh, that, that was a really solid movie because mm-hmm. there there wasn't a whole there wasn't a lot of complexity there it's like he, here are our heroes here are the bad guys mm-hmm. and they're gonna fight and you you got some great moments with gerard butler uh but overall it's not that complex of a movie i mean yeah. watchmen watching it in the theater it was kind of like this this almost remind like you were almost too slavish to the source mm-hmm. material mm-hmm. right because Agreed. it was like well it, this there are there. There's no room for imagination here because you're literally taking panels out of the comics, which I appreciate. But when you don't add anything on top of that, yeah. it's literally like watching a motion comic. And then, you, but you also have to contend with actors' performances. And I didn't love all the actors in that. Like I've seen right. the director's cut. I think it's better. I still don't think it's it's great. 
Man of Steel, John, you know, you and I, yep. we, ha- we have, uh, I-, I think you have a love of it and I have a deep affection for it. Yeah. Um, I think it, I-, I thought this was a wobbly step in the right direction, but they were going in the right direction. And I'm not a fan of Batman versus Superman. Looking at the trailer, the whole idea that Superman's death, literally Superman's scream is the thing that kicks this off. I'm like, oh, that's that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Those big action beats that we know from the Whedon movie, for the most part, outside of taking away that red cloud and replacing it with just like a night sky, those big action beats are probably not going to change that much. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might have some extra stuff here and there. You know, Josh shot some shot some uh, some some quippy one liners, which I don't think will be in there for the nope. Zack Snyder version. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited to see the new stuff, um, and, and I think this is this is the first time. Uh, I, I'm curious at this uh, look, watching this as an experiment because yeah. this is the first time where the turnaround has been this short, where a director has been able to take something uh, take something back. Uh, a film that he was not a part of, uh, part of the uh, final product, and get to do it his way with what seems like literally no restrictions. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, yeah. if you have a four-hour runtime, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really curious. Well, yeah, um, you're right. Okay. No, you're, no, you're you're right that a director's cut is usually a uh, the studio did this. I would have done this. We're using what we've got, and I'm kind of rejiggering in the editing room maybe i'm gonna get to like shoot a little bit more but uh, i don't think we've ever seen uh a a cinematic experiment on this scale before yeah Yeah. and orson Orson right now is turning in his grave because he had so many films taken away from him that he would love to have had in final cut on and it's fascinating when you look at this too i i enjoyed the trailer uh it's very much i'm already in the camp for it so you know there's nothing they could have shown me that would have made me hesitate unless i saw the russian family or unless i saw any of the weed and stuff and he said very clear and zach went a little overboard like i, I love zach and i enjoy zach and i will defend zach from because he to me he is an auteur you may not like his movies but you know a zach snyder movie when you see it that's the definition of an auteur he is that but him going overboard unnecessarily like not a frame of i'd rather burn it than see it that to me is like, just calm down. Just calm down. It's okay. <laughs> We're moving on from it, you know? And so you're getting your chance to shoot your film. 80, I mean, what, 80% of the movie that you see in Justice League now is Joss Whedon's film. So the fact that he is removing 80% of that film and putting in back, putting back in his 80% is going to make it completely different. Did he shoot maybe an additional extra four to 10 minutes? Possibly overall. But we're going to get a lot of shit we haven't seen yet at all in the justice league and i look forward to that i like that we're getting the illusions or getting casey clemens in there it's great to see her in there as iris west i love that we're getting more with uh with cyborg look the fucking war machine the bat tank where the hell that thing is immediately my mind's like now that's dark knight returns that is awesome in the nightmare sequence and i always felt the nightmare sequence in bbs it comes out of nowhere totally rushed is unsupported so what i'm hoping for because i'm with shannon in that I love Man of Steel more than he does, certainly, but he appreciates it uh, or has affection for it. Did not like BBS, didn't even like the Ultimate Edition. But I hope that when I didn't like, and I like Justice League, but now in retrospect, there are parts that don't work. But I hope he is going to fix the parts of Justice League that were unsupported, unearned, and give us something bigger by the time it's over and more interesting. And in the realm of Kingdom Come, in the realm of these kind of darker exploration of DC characters, because in my opinion, 
I always felt DC was a little bit richer than Marvel in terms of the actual character development and character relationships uh, overall. And so I'm excited to see what he's going to do. And everything in this trailer got me hyped up. There wasn't one thing I saw in the trailer. I was like, "Mm, not one thing. And Superman with the black, ah, the black suit and shooting the laser. Oh, Lordy. That was awesome. Uh, No, I think, well, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I do think that in the reactions that I've seen online, Mm. uh, and this is typically the reaction to a Zack Snyder trailer by the people that are super excited is the reaction is always very visually based. Yes. And and, And there doesn't even necessarily need to be a context like, oh, my God, it's the black suit. Oh, my God, it's the Dark Knight bat tank. Oh my God, the Joker has long hair. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like, there's always this, like, and again, this is what Zack Snyder does really well, is he makes these beautiful shots. And so I see everybody sort of going, holy shit, this is the thing. And I'm sitting back here, like, yeah, but what does the black suit mean? Like, where, where, like, like, is it, like, what is it, like, like, and like, why, why, like, and in Dark Knight, uh, for example, the Bat Tank is what's cool about it is that. He, you know, it is Batman coming out all these years later and he can't do everything on his own. And there's just this, like, I needed this tank, like there was some riots and I got this thing. And it's like this huge reveal. Whereas if this thing just like pops out of the Batcave and you're like, all right. And so I think that that's what I mean about um, painting a pretty picture, but not always sticking the landing to me is that you watch this trailer and like, dude, nobody wants to see Death of Superman done on the big screen in live action in a really great way more than me. I feel like we already sort of whiffed the first yeah. half of that with the way yeah. that we did Doomsday and Batman versus Superman. And so it's like, what does the black suit mean? Is this like, I just like, you know, my, my red and blue suit was dirty and Ma had this in the barn, so I'm going to wear it. You know, it's like, so I, okay. I get really, I get really <laughs> curious about, I get about, about the where and the why of it all. I don't, uh, I don't that, think it's my... dirty. I think there's a giant hole. All right. You know what? It takes a you got a good stone. point. We, there is that. That is a that is a pretty big gaping wound in that thing. So I'll give you that one. I just want to see the scene where he brings the suit back to the uh, to the spaceship and he ga- hands it out to the hologram of his dad. Russell's like, "What'd you do to this thing? I gave you a perfectly good suit. This suit doesn't grow on trees. I'm gonna need a couple of days here. Take the black one, right? I want to see that scene. But I but Michael, you make an excellent point because I am fair in this looking at it. I really didn't like the one thing I didn't like. It wasn't anything visually in the trailer. No story beats. There's really no story beats that were told out. We still don't know fully, although we've read what the stories, but we don't know fully from the trailers what the story actually is. So I was hoping to get a little bit more of the story other than the age of heroes needs to come back and, and what have you. I wanted to see, as you said, the progression. Why is the tank out there in the nightmare sequence? What does that have to do with anything? Why is Bat- uh, Superman in the black suit? Why are we seeing all the things that we're seeing? Uh, all of that I wanted to see a little bit more of. Like, uh, where's what's Flash's role in all of this? They kept him really minimal. Look, Ezra's in the movie, so there's no getting away from it. Give me what Ezra's role in. And you promised me more of Cyborg, but I barely saw Cyborg in this trailer. And I wonder if that's a Hamada decision or if that's a decision by the people that Warner Brothers don't want to highlight him too much uh, because in the first trailer you saw him, but not in the second trailer as much as you did in the first. So I'm curious to see how much we're actually going to get when it's all over. But the one thing I did like, story beats weren't necessarily there in a trailer. And we already saw the story. We talked about Cruella early in the show. We saw the story beats in a minute and a half of what that film might possibly be. We don't know what's going on here. Well, we've also seen the movie 
uh, or we've seen a version of well, the movie. Yeah, already. but how much of that is like hardly any of that's going to be in this? I mean, but reshooting, reshooting footage, re- rearranging scenes and whatnot. There's only so much you can really do to the basic crux that the basic structure of that story. Like, there's yeah. not going to be like like I- I'm very curious what uh, Harry Lennox's uh, Martian Man right, is going to look like. Yeah. Like how like is this just going to be a quick a quick reveal or is right. he actually going to be taking part in it again i don't again and i could be wrong like like entire sequences have been taken out of films before um but 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 getting this entirely new film like yes i think we're getting it through a different lens but essentially that story is going to be what the story was well, now was, the, the thing was, that i'm excited about is yeah. seeing an artist finish his vision yeah. now yeah. and i might i might not like the end product like like and I use the Last Jedi as an example all the time. Like I wasn't a Last Jedi fan, mm-hmm. but yeah, hold on, I wasn't a Last Jedi fan. But that being said, I think Ryan Johnson is the only one who could have done the third chapter of that story because he set his he set the, the table. You mean should have done or could have done? Uh, could have done. Okay, could, I will say could have done because okay. I again I'm not a fan of Rise of Skywalker. I think the only yeah, way to terrible. get to get a complete story out of that trilogy was for the guy who, who yeah. knocked the pieces off and who reset them up mm-hmm. to to then finish it rather than having someone else come in knock those pieces down and try mm-hmm. to and try to you know piece together a story. Yeah. Yeah. Mikey, what were you going to say? Point. Uh you know like I think that it, it, it's interesting. I think that like one of the things I realized watching this trailer is that it's going to be easier to watch it as its own thing because it's not part of some bigger DC initiative um like i think one of my overriding issues as i watched the Zack snyder movies come out is that every choice he made was making it more complicated to build a pantheon of movies like he like for example i mean this is just the first one off the top of my head the entire choice of saying that batman who we've never seen in this version had already lived his whole life uh robbed you of having a Robin origin, a Joker mm-hmm. origin. Mm-hmm. Like the second that you have a Robin costume with the ha 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 all over it, again, an amazingly beautiful image that makes every comic book fan go crazy, but yeah. you don't get to tell that story. And it makes it harder. I mean, that's why, one of the many reasons why we now have this separate Batman trilogy that's yeah. going on that Matt Reeves is like, look, I don't want, I, I need to do my own thing. Yeah. And so I think that uh, as long as Zack Snyder was driving this train, it was like, they're never going to get to where we are on the Marvel side of being able to have all of these heroes interconnected because it's they're making it too difficult. Whereas watching this as its own entity, it's this thing that exists, I think is gonna be a little bit easier for me and maybe some other people to watch it and just like judge it on its own. It's almost like watching an Elseworlds uh, mm-hmm. thing uh, happen. Yeah. I also think that to Shannon's point about like the content, like it is the movie that we saw. Like, like yeah. I was saying, like Superman died, Darkseid's coming. There was one Age of Heroes. This is the second Age of Heroes. Superman right. comes back. They fight Apocalypse. Like, that's that's the structure. So yeah. seeing how they split it up, like, for example, to Johnny's point, the fact that the nightmare sequence in Batman versus Superman was sort of just, like, out of nowhere and over as soon as it began, and you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Well, in a four-hour movie where, you know, the first hour is the setup and the last hour is going to be the finale is one whole episode the original Age of Heroes? Like, do we get an hour of Amazons and Atlanteans fighting the forces of Apocalypse hundreds of thousands of years ago? And is one whole episode 
the nightmare sequence. Like, you know, I said last week that I'll be really disappointed if Joker shows up for five seconds and he's gone. But if this thing is structured as four hours and the third hour of it is Batman goes into this nightmare and we have 45 minutes of a nightmare universe where we see this horrible outcome and the Joker is guiding Batman through it. Like, that's something you could never do in a theater. And that could potentially be interesting. Like, I'm trying to go in as positive as I can. Fear not. After we see this movie, I am pretty sure I'm going to have a lot of shit to say. But I am trying to go in sort of framing myself up for, look, you guys are going to make me watch this thing. We're going to review it. It's four fucking hours long. I better... if I go if I go in with an attitude from the beginning, I'm probably just going to have to drink a whole bottle of whiskey and get like alcohol poisoning. So, let's go in <laughs> as positive as possible and then we'll talk about everything that went wrong or if you know, if he indeed does not stick the landing, which will be my guess, we'll talk about that after the fact and talk about why he didn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Any final words uh, 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 Shannon? I think based off of our uh, WandaVision reviews being almost four times as long as the episode. How long do you think this Justice League review is going to be? Well, <laughs> well, I've, well, I've blocked out April. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're going to be fine. Because, I mean, yes, it's a four-hour film, but I don't think we're going to go scene by scene because um, this is, as Michael said, this is a one-off, or as Hamada said, a cul-de-sac. This is just a cul-de-sac. Uh, and so it is what it is. So we're just going to have fun talking about it, I think, uh, for an hour or half an hour or 45 minutes. But I can't imagine it would go longer than an hour. Uh, because in the end, in the end, there's no there's no real point. I mean, we're not going to go scene by scene. I think we're just going to talk overall our general feelings, what we liked, what we didn't like, and then our, give our feeling and give our scores at the end. Do you I, do you not see him revving his engine already? Oh, sure, 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 sure. <laughs> But, you know, he's older now. I know he runs out of energy early. No, man. I'm going to buy Before we do this review, before we do this review, I'm buying four Red Bulls and I'm getting like an Adderall. And I am just going all in. Uh, The opinion of my... (laughs) No stopping me. There's no stopping me. Uh, the opinions of Michael Vogel to use Adderall as Michael Vogel's alone and not the shows. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, mean, I think we'll just have fun discussing it. And if he wants to rev his engines, let him rev his engines. But it's not going to go anywhere. I mean, because it's not, it's not a film that's connected to the overall canon. Now, if that film comes out and there's an explosion of ratings and blah, 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 and what have you, and Hamada changes his mind or DC says, well, maybe we can keep going in this kind of alternate Elseworld situation. Remember, people clamored for a Joker sequel, and now apparently it's happening, even though they said this was a one-off from day one. They said it was a one-off, and now apparently it's happening. Don't dis- don't discount the uh, influence of the fans to possibly bring Zach back into the DC fold to do his alternate version of, uh, of, uh, of this Justice League or whatever it is. Yeah, sorry, Mike. I, well, no, I think... I think- there's a one-two punch that DC has going for them that, regardless of my opinions about Zack Snyder's movies, yeah. what what they have the potential here, they have like they have an opportunity that just they shouldn't have. It doesn't yeah. usually happen this way, and they've got it going for them. Like Marvel, we know they're going down the multiverse. We've seen it starting in Wandavision. We know it's going to continue in Spidey Three, and they are just opening the thing wide open. Like there's, I don't know how they're going to contain it. I don't know what the rules are to it, but we know it's happening. Yeah. Uh, DC with Flashpoint has the potential to do the thing that no studio gets to do, which is treat your superhero movies thus far like a buffet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, so depending on how well received 
Justice League is on HBO Max. Let's just say for the moment that the fans overwhelmingly are satisfied, everyone's cool, and even critics are like, well, shit, if he had been able to do that, that's definitely better than what Joss did. And in general, it's really well received. Well, then when they do Flashpoint, and let's assume that Barry Allen has a whole Flashpoint moment, goes back and saves his mom, does whatever he does, which is what he does in the comics, and then comes back and sort of resets the universe. You Mm -hmm. can keep most of the Zack Snyder universe if you want. Let's say Ben Affleck bows out, Michael Keaton steps in, but you reframe everything. And because Mm -hmm. when Barry comes back from the past and kind of resets the future, there's no rules to what happens. It's all chaos theory. So if, if, if Leto is out, and Phoenix is in, yeah. and now Michael Keaton is going up against Joaquin Phoenix, but Gal Gadot is still there, and Jason Momoa is still there, and Henry Cat, like, they can do whatever. Like, yeah. the Flash gives them an opportunity to reset the board however they want, because there's no rules to how the speed force and time travel works. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Like, And again, if, if Zack Snyder's thing comes out, and the fans love it, and everyone else is like, this was a director sort of just like, should not have given been given that much power. It was a little self-aggrandizing and nobody's really into it. Then they can reset the universe post flashpoint yeah. in a brand new direction. So it'll be interesting to see. Yep. Absolutely. Agreed. So we'll see. That's coming out March 18th. Um, I'm working really hard for us to get it ahead of time. So we shall see if we'll get it ahead of time oh, so we can review it and do whatever. Yeah. So it's, you know, crossing fingers. I've got connections at HBO. <laughs> we'll see if they're, Oh, you're being sarcastic. Oh, you know what? You know what? You know what? You're not going to, now we're not going to get it. Now we're not going to see Now we're not going to get it. Anyway, yeah, but I, I will see if I can get us a copy of it earlier, a screening copy of it early. If not, we'll just watch it as it's intended on HBO Max and then review it the next day or Sunday for you all to hear our thoughts on it. And Or maybe we'll review it on Saturday and then do the watch along on Sunday. That's certainly possible as well. So we'll kick around all kinds of possibilities here with the film. We shall see. Yeah, a, a Zack Snyder weekend for Michael Vogel. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. I was like, you, got like, you got the Red Bull, son. Did you just did you just commit me to doing this thing twice? Yeah, twice. Well, you're not. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Fuck. We're not doing a watch along the first time we watch. Are you insane? Are you fucking insane? I'm watching that thing with nobody in the room. Nobody in the room. Uh, all right, let's uh, wrap this up here. Thank you all so much for watching this episode of the Geek Buddies. Uh, we appreciate you all so much. Leaving your comments, uh, you know, tweeting at us on Twitter, and uh, uh, you know, even commenting on the Instagram posts we occasionally put up as well it means a lot to us and thanks so much to all of you who've been enjoying our wandavision reviews as well remember episode seven our review will be coming out on saturday uh so look out for that as well uh sometime this weekend um shannon what do we have to tell them yeah if you'd like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you would like to follow mr vogel it is at mk2 and if you would like to follow mr roca it is at the roca says Mikey? Well, well, guys, I'm going to be spending most of the rest of this year watching <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> and I'm working, through, I'm working through my feelings on it, and I need something to look forward to. And I need you to do that for me. <laughs> so <laughs> here's what you can do. Uh, 
please like this post if you enjoyed it. Uh, we definitely enjoy talking with each other. We definitely enjoy hearing from you guys. So like the post below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw page so he gets more viewers. There's a ton of awesome content here. As he said, we do these weekly shows. We do our WandaVision reviews. We're going to continue that through all the Disney Plus shows. We'll continue it with Justice League. Uh, we love talking about this geeky stuff. Leave comments below. As I was referencing bef- before, we all read the comments. We all comment back. Uh, as we were saying on our WandaVision review last week, what we love about our comment thread is that it's not toxic like every other comment thread on the mm. internet. You guys are actually really fun to engage with. Um, and then the best thing that you guys can do is actually retweet this, post it on your Facebook pages, put it on Twitter. If somebody has questions about geeky stuff or is looking for a really great geeky podcast, send it on. You guys have been super complimentary about uh, all of this stuff. And um, we love getting more buddies in to join the party. Uh, our, our plan is to just have an entire Geek Buddy Nation. And we need your help getting there. There you go. Uh, you can uh, do all of that, please. Thank you all so much uh, and really appreciate everyone who's been following us lately and everyone's been subscribing to the channel. We're almost at 16,000 subscribers. Really blown up uh, seeing so many people uh, you know, be a part of it. It means the world to me So and to us. So thank you all so much. We will talk to you next time with another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.